Welcome to episode 66 of the Men Who Save Football, the Dundalk FC fancast. This is a post-match reaction to a comprehensive win over St. Magda's to keep us in the FAI Cup. Guys, when you're facing an injury crisis and you're perhaps a little bit low on confidence, was it a good time to be facing non-league opposition? But it is now in hindsight once I've seen the results, but I would say that uh, before the game, listen, none of what I'm going to say is obviously... Uh, you know, to insult St. Mopas, but if you look at the, the vast difference in levels, okay, the game we were expected to win, non-league opposition, all this kind of stuff. But I, I, I wouldn't, I, I, there was talk of cup upset floating around, which I think you always get. Whenever you play like uh, Port Marnock or St. Mopas, something like this, there's always, because I think people want, you know, the media want the, the tale of the giant killing. But I think this week with Dundalk fans, there was a slight nervous kind of <laughs> laughter. And as Martin pointed out in the programme, they ran a feature on all the times we were giant killed, you know. But given what we've seen recently and given the, the disparity in performances, I, I was looking at it going, you know, uh, you never know how tonight might go. Jerry Malone was uh, very vocal on, on Twitter that I, 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 a cup upset was coming or potential coming. And then when we saw the, the starting 11, um, which again isn't really, uh, for me, it's not, it's not a commentary on any of the players. It's just such an untried, you know, you know uh, selection of players. I, in the game started, I thought, Jesus, we could be in for something. Now, I would say, going, going into halftime uh, drawn, you could say, oh God, this is actually going to happen. But... I'd say we were fairly comfortable throughout. And I would say that for me, you can't really tell too much about Dundalk from that game because the level of the opposition and the complete wild disparity in our performances recently means I, I, I can't take anything away from the game other than the game itself. So comprehensive, 5-1 speaks for itself. Um, the fact that their goal uh, was gift... I mean, we talk about gifting goals recently. This was, you know, this was on a plate, silver platter with a bow on top, with a red carpet rolled up, you know what I mean? Um, and then we tripped and threw it on top of them. Um, but other than that, they didn't really challenge us. So, um, uh, I, listen, the, the, I think the scoreline speaks for itself. Yeah, we, I think we saw the, the sort of yin and yang of Dundalk over the past while. Like in the first half, I think there was... You know, while we were comfortable, I think there was a lot to be, you know, concerned about that we weren't really sort of peppering the, the Mokta's goal with shots and that kind of thing. Well, we had some, you know, sort of good chances here and there, but, uh, you know, it, it wasn't that you felt that a goal was definitely coming, but whatever changed at halftime, uh, I think there was uh, either uh, a good chat had in the dressing room or there was a bit of like tactical rearrangement or something like that. But we came out for the second half looking like a completely different animal and really put them to the sword. But yeah, like I think the number of times recently we've said on the cast something along the lines of, well, you know, if you were playing a Waterford or something like that, you might get away with those kinds of mistakes. Like the caliber of mistake that we're making at the back at the moment, it's clear that you don't get away with against anybody. Like I'm not quite saying that Rock Celtic under 11s are going to be knocking those kind of chances into the back of the net. But, you know, not far off. And I, I think the one worry that you probably still have in your mind is that our defense still looks pretty leaky. Um, even against like this caliber of opposition, like if you cough up those kind of mistakes, like you just get punished. But uh, the second half, I think, 
was like I say a much different story. Like even for our first goal, I thought Pat Hoogan was excellent. Like he capitalized on a defensive mistake where you know clearance went straight up in the air. Uh, you know, got his body uh, in between the defender and the ball, uh, took it down the line, eventually worked a corner, and then Sammy Benninger got his uh, his first goal for the club, which was uh, nice to see. And then in the second half, sort of finishing and stuff like that, maybe it's the opposition tired of it, um, was really clinical and, you know, putting away a couple of chances at the penalty as well. And, uh, yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people have, you know, sort of, like, I, I think ourselves included on Twitter, uh, remarked that we're lucky to be living in the times of a goal scorer like Pat Hoogan, uh, who is just, you know, clocking up the goals for Dundalk at this stage. Um, and I think, if anything, we're, we're lucky to be living in a time where we have two goal scorers of that caliber, like between himself and David McMillan, like both of them are edging ever closer to the top of their goal scoring charts. Yeah, it's it's something that definitely we put out on Twitter. I mean, we have come to take for granted that Pat Hoban will be there leading the line, scoring goals. But I thought last night was yet again another reminder that you know, you do have the rarest of commodities in, in a centre-forward like that. I mean, he's been a consistent performer for Dundalk FC, and I thought last night, like even in the Drogheda game, you know, where the chances didn't go in for him, he did cre- create a few chances which could have turned that game in a very different direction. But last night, I think he was the difference. He took a game which was looking ominously familiar because, you know, we, we get off to a great start. The Sean Murray delivery to the box is perfect. Uh, Sammy Benamir meets it on challenge at the near post. You're 1-0 up and you think, well, you know, we're, we're on our way here. Um, something of a gift of an equaliser, uh, a, a pass which probably shouldn't be given to Sam Stanton who gets caught under his feet. And like you say, any opposition is going to kind of exploit that sort of level of, of mistake at the back. And that then heralded a long period of the game where really there was very little in it. And it began to look quite like the Drogheda game. St. Marcus, you know, after that gift, they had something to build confidence on and to hang on to. And uh, they formed two tight banks of four and we passed over and back and tried to get through them and couldn't really break them down. But Patrick Hoban has been one of our era-defining players. And for me, you know, he's put in tremendous performances uh, in the league, in the cup, in Europe, and we always get a similar level of approach from him. We always get, you know, a, a great work ethic, highly industrious player, uh, great finisher, and like thinking back to you know Sheriff, who have made the the Champions League, um, and everybody is now looking back on that Sheriff performance, thinking it was perhaps even better than we appreciated at the time. Patrick, although he wasn't on the score sheet, he put in one of his best ever performances for Dundalk as regards his work rate. And really last night, his quality was the difference. It transformed a game that was sort of on a knife edge with very little between it. And in a 10-minute blitz, he just ended it as a contest and allowed us to totally transform it, bring on young players, you know, rest some of the other players and, and get a glimpse of perhaps what we have in some of our younger players, but uh, his hat trick was just you know top class. Uh, penalty absolutely emphatic. You you don't really feel uh, these days that he's going to miss those. Uh, perhaps even better second goal, and then the third one just sort of absolutely kills it off as a contest. And I think once he once he got the the brace, uh, basically everybody you know it was like the cloud lifted. Everybody was running. We were running through the St. Marcus side. Uh, running hard, you know, creating chance after chance, probably could have scored three or four more from the chances we did create. 
But that transformation, I think a, a lot of it rests on the shoulders of Patrick Coburn. Yeah, definitely. And I think like the, I know, okay, again, it was non-league opposition, but the quality, especially of the his second goal, I mean, that was like rolling back the years, uh, just the, the movement, the position, everything. Um, so, like, I mean, obviously the, the penalty almost went through the back of the net uh, and the other two were just really, really lovely goals. And, you know, things like that we've been missing seeing um, from Dundalk recently. So it was great to see him again. I mean, he's absolutely, he was the difference. And you could see as well, everything changed after, especially the second goal. I mean, it was over as a contest then. As you said, we had the opportunity then to bring on some of the younger lads. But it was, yeah, it was almost like Hoban decided to flick a switch and uh, just kill the game. Um, and, yeah, no, in, incredible goals. I also as well that uh, Sammy's goal as well to open it was really good as well. And it was great to see. I mean, I think he had a great game as well. Um, it's, for me, it's between him and and, and Pat for man of the match. Um, and then, yeah, no, it, it really was, again, we used this a few times as a game of two halves because the first half was nervy and I think there was lots of stuff in the air. Um, probably they felt it too, the given recent results that, um, you know, uh, the confidence is down. But once they got up and running, it was, you know, it was game over. And Han, of course, also got on the score sheet as well. Another industrious display from him. Yeah, I think it was a good opportunity for some of the French players to, to come in and show what they could do. Um, I think Han played quite well, you know, uh, got a goal and looks very pacey at times. Uh, I think sometimes, you know, the end product when he got into good positions, like his, his cross into the box and that kind of thing, wasn't, you know, maybe the, the quality they were looking for. But, you know, definitely has, I think, good qualities as a footballer. Uh, I think... Various other people as well, like a bit of a chance. We saw um, Hanreddy and Ryan O'Kane coming off the bench, like both of whom looked like pretty capable. And I think, you know, it's interesting to, when you see uh, a Leinster senior league side, you know, especially one who are top of the table, like pretty much the, the best that that league has to offer. And you see somebody coming in aged, you know, 17 years old and looking, you know, sort of above that standard instantly. Like that gives you some confidence that like there's definitely something there. Um, and I think both of these guys do probably do with, you know, a, a bit more of a run of games. I don't know if um, there's scope for a lone move or maybe next season there will be more opportunity for minutes for them. But, you know, I think they've definitely got something. And uh, it'd be good to, to see them given a little bit more opportunity to uh, showcase that. I think I also felt pretty sorry for Wilfred Zahibo. Like, he's had quite a while where, you know, he hasn't um, been given his chance to shine in the team. Uh, and last night he was, and then seemed to immediately pick up what looked a fairly serious injury. So, like, you've got to feel sorry for him, I think, on a personal level. Um, at that stage, like, he did not look well when uh, when hobbling off. And I think if we thought there was a bit of an injury crisis beforehand, uh, I think that only added to it. It seems like we're really struggling at the moment to get through 90 minutes without somebody hobbling off with a fairly serious looking issue. Yeah, it was a, a rare start for Wilf, and I suppose everybody is hoping that the player you know, the reputation that preceded him, the, the player that, that earned that reputation will emerge at Dundalk at some point. But um, it just didn't really happen for him last night either, did it? No, and it, it was one of those things where, like when he got the start against Europe as well, you were hoping that this would be then the stage for him to show us what he can do. Because I think as well, like, yeah, okay, he has been the result, uh, he has been, the uh, you know, on the receiving end of... Uh, some criticism from the crowd and online and we've discussed you know the reputation that precedes him the purported salary or signing on fee all the stuff weighs into it 
And when I saw him starting last night, again, you have this hope, which is tonight's tonight. Lower league, non-league opposition, a cup game. Here's a chance for him to shine. And to no fault of his own, he goes off injured. You know what I mean? So, again, you have to feel for him because it just seems he has never gotten the chance to as well answer the critics, of which we would be included. Do you know what I mean? And um, it just feels like he, you know, he hasn't got the chance. But I agree as well. I thought Han had a good game too. Um, really looked lively. Again, the end product, but I think that's the problem with a lot of Dundalk, the whole team recently, in that you know final third of the pitch. But looks really up for it. Got a goal, uh, like Sammy, and hopefully that will be the springboard, you know, give confidence. Maybe that's the best you can hope for. Get goals and good performances under your belt to non-league opposition in the cup and then use that as a launch pad uh, going forward. Um, and great to see a bunch of the academy players who have been given contracts uh, come on as well. Start to get to see them. Perfect opportunity to give them game time. I mean, we probably wouldn't have seen them had we not, you know, basically put the game to bed. So a great opportunity for that. Because um, the only way they're going to get worked into the side, you know, they may be forced into the side soon because it was pointed out as well that we only had seven substitutes last night. St. Moctis had nine. Um, and we lost a player. So it just seems that it, we're, we're in critical red zone territory with, with, with the squad. I think maybe the fact as well that the club this week uh, presumably made a few quids off the sale of Val Anadokan to uh, Brentford. You know, it gives you some sense that uh, maybe these players like giving academy players contracts uh, and then having them go on and shine in the first team is, uh, you know, not just a route to, to good results for the team, but also uh, potential, you know, sort of um, sales fees and stuff like that in the future. And it is great to be in a position where you can bring on players with the game essentially wrapped up. But I thought Rhino Kane once again showed a lot of endeavour and talent and, you know, we, we perhaps didn't see as much of him this season as we may have suspected we would have at the start with all the, the change of management, uh, etc. But uh, nonetheless, I think he did himself no harm as regards getting more minutes. I thought Ben Hanratty was also impressive, but for me, a player that really looks to have a lot of potential. And I know it's incredibly early days and we can draw no conclusions from what we saw last night. But Mayo uh, Anima Shahan. Um, he he really looked a player that you'd like to see develop and perhaps you know get into the first team squad because um, it was although you know once again we have to be aware of the context of where the game was and what the opposition was but um, he did seem to uh, indicate that he has all the attributes to be a really good defensive midfielder in that um, he you know has was able to cover the ground he quite a rangy run he didn't get caught for pace he was also confident enough at a very young age to come looking for the ball from defenders and seemed to give it away very rarely. And I thought it was, you know, once again, I, I don't think any of these guys should be, you know, expected to step into the first team in competitive league action, just maybe at this stage. But I did see that it is nice to know that there is potential there and, and perhaps quite a bit of it. Yeah. I was very impressed by, uh, by all of them. Um, and, um, Mayowa, um, first of all, as well, the size of him, he's huge. Mm. I mean, we find a player bigger than Sonny. Um, but he did look really confident. I thought it's very hard to tell, I think. I mean, I think we should, you know, say that. But his positioning looked really good. He looked in the, in the right positions and he looked up for it. Um, and all you can ask for for these players is that they take their chance, whatever chance they get. So if you get 15 minutes at the end of a, of a cup game that's been put to bed, but they really put their heart into it and they try. I mean, that's what you want to see. 
rather than just jogging out just you know uh, to, to fill up the time but um you yeah, know I, I was very impressed just turn into twitter for a moment john Cotter has come in and said uh, we have to take the quality of the opposition into account but still a very encouraging performance the kids from the bench and the new keeper all did well and looked very comfortable that's i suppose something we didn't mention uh, cameron yates got his first start probably didn't have a tremendous amount to do compared to his opposite number but certainly didn't do much wrong yeah that's all you can ask for as well and you know you, you would forgive him for the goal he did concede because i think that was conspired in front of him um, and probably was not expecting it at all uh but beyond that which i am not gonna put too too much blame on to him didn't have much to do but what more can you ask for uh john cotter continues on twitter uh don't know what the difference was in the shed but the atmosphere there was so much better than last week a really positive vibe. Shedside lads got, got an up-close-and-direct request from Vinny at the end of the game to stick with the team over upcoming tricky matches. And that is something that perhaps you might have missed if you were watching it in the streaming. Vinny did come right over to the shed at the end and sort of gave some a few rallying comments about sticking together. Um, so that was also interesting to see. Kevin Mullen comes in to say that Sammy Benamar was very impressive, looked dangerous all night, a goal taken down for the penalty and also denied a stone-run penalty in the first half. Uh, hopefully we can bring the second half performance into the game against Waterford. And Don Dalgan comes in saying a morale boosting win, but frankly, opposition troubled us little. Their goal was concerning in the sense it was an unforced error that led to it. Hoban was clinical. Great to see the heart and commitment of Sammy and him getting off the mark. Uh, hopefully this will be a confidence booster for our relegation battle. Um, we do return to league action and we are playing some of the, the basement rivals. Do you think we can carry the kind of uh, confidence building um, display from last night and maybe turn the corner, get a few results now? I, I think that won't have done any harm. Um, but, you know, the, the proof of the pudding uh, is going to be when we actually face those opposition themselves. And I think, you know, particularly in the case of for example, like you talked about Cameron Yates there, analyzing his performance last night, you know, goal aside, he wasn't tested really at all. Like what you want to see is, as he performed under crosses, like coming off his line, shot stopping, this kind of thing, like there's just nothing there to analyze. I think by comparison, if you look at games against the likes of Monford, Waterford, um, really going to have to, I think, I'm not too worried about us like dominating possession and stuff like that. Like that's something that we've probably done each and every game. But can we cut out those mistakes like where we, you know, gift the opposition a chance and, you know, go behind? Because I think the, the real worry with this conduct team is like when they do go behind, like can they lift it and, you know, just up the levels against a really stubborn opposition that are sitting deep? Uh, and that's been a problem for the past while. So uh, I, I think there's probably still an, enough in last night's performance to be concerned about that, right? Because again, we gifted up uh, another gl glorious chance and it was taken by the opposition. So um, I think that's something we still got to get a handle on. Uh, and then I think like breaking down that stubborn opposition and getting ahead in games. Uh, I think if we can be, you know, as clinical as we were last night, that would be nice. Uh, but, you know, the, the levels are going to be up uh, against Premier Division opposition. And we're, we're going to have to, I think, work harder be more precise and, and do better in order to, to do that. Yeah, I'll be honest. Yeah, I don't think you can take anything away from that game. Like, just because of what we've seen over the last few weeks, I said, you know, that I've said all the time, for a performance like against Vitesse, if we can bring that into the next game, we'll win. but we don't bring any performances into the next game. Uh, so uh, it's, 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 it's like 
the universe is reborn every time we go, you know, the, the game starts. It's a, it's, a, it's a blank slate. So, I don't know. The, yeah, the only thing you can hope for maybe is that, for instance, Pat Oban refined his form. You mean, I mean, he's recovering from COVID and all this kind of stuff. Maybe it took him a bit of time. Yes, we keep talking about, okay, the level of the opposition, but he still took all his chances brilliantly right and that's all you can ask for and he can get into those positions against Waterford he can get into those positions against Longford um, so I think that uh, maybe you know a lot of players run off confidence they, they run off a kind of inertia head full of steam maybe that's him up and running Han and Sammy Benamar you know maybe now they get, you know, get their first goal behind them get a good performance behind them and that will that will drive them on but I think Martin's right. The big worry is the defensive uh, issues, because as Martin said, you know, if you if you if you get punished against that level of opposition, and we get punished at the highest level of opposition in Europe, which is always our you know kind of excuse in a way, which is you do those things in Europe, you get punished. You do those things in Leicester Senior League, you get punished. Waterford and Longford and other teams fighting down there aren't going to, you know, take pity on us. They're going to take every single chance you give them. I mean, like sharks with blood. I mean, this is a real dogfight now. So if you in any way should give them a chance, they're, they're going to take it. So defence is is the massive worry there. Um, I have a strange feeling that we're going to push on with goals now and that frustrating thing of good play we've seen, good moves in the wings resulting in nothing. I think maybe the you know the engine might be warming up on that, but it's down the other end is the real worry. Uh, especially as Martin said, is if you go behind, I think if this team goes behind, heads go down, and that lack of confidence or whatever it is uh, will just spread. We've also got you know the issue of internationals coming up. Sammy uh, or Sonny possibly heading away, or looks like he'll be heading away with the Faroe Islanders. So we may have sort of a makeshift look to the defence with uh, Cameron Dummigan moving into centre half. And of course, with Val gone, you know, and Dara Leahy not currently fit, it does create something of a, you know, further complications there. But I suppose going forward, once again, if if um, Patrick Coben can show the form that he showed last night, if Sam Stanton continues to play as he did, I mean, they, they, they're players of real quality that any other team in the league would be glad to have. And when they hit form, and perhaps maybe we're seeing uh, Sean Murray get a run of games, he, he might be able to make a contribution. Certainly the next game is pivotal. If you look at the league table, you know, if we beat Waterford, we can begin to claw our way back up into mid-table. And presumably you would expect our end of season to be, you know, pretty much as good as theirs. Um, but if we don't come away from the RSC with something from that game, the table begins to look a lot grimmer uh, in that Waterford now have clear daylight between themselves and us. And that will probably, once again, there's something of a reborn side. So whatever about the Drogheda game or the Derry game, um, which came along sort of just in the aftermath and during our European campaign, this now really is a game of massive significance for whether we're going to have a nail-biting relegation battle or whether we're going to get back to to um, to comfortably mid-table. So I suppose yeah. it'll be all eyes on the RSC on Friday. I, I don't want to alarm you further, but if uh, Ryan Tchaikovskis is all playing for Latvia as well, uh, then that leaves us. If Cameron Dummigan's moving into centre half, like we have no fullbacks, uh, so interesting to see how Vinny is going to rearrange the chess pieces to try to accommodate for that. 
once again, and like I mean, after a positive result, you don't wish to sort of go treasure hunting for negatives. But I mean, yeah, that hadn't occurred to me, and of course it is. It's obviously true. It really does call into question the old bugbear of the of the recruitment strategy. I mean, you know, when when we are now facing a battle for our Premier Division status to be losing three players to international duty in the midst of an injury crisis, so much so that you'll probably have to go down to, you know, maybe the, the, the youth setup to actually fill out the back four. It really is, uh, uh, well, shall we say it, but put it as mildly as we can. It, it, there hasn't been much foresight applied to the, the way the squad has been assembled. Another thing which is constantly looming over the club, uh, aside from the, the relegation battle, is the ongoing situation with players signing up for next season. And as you know, time marches forward, we get closer to the end of the season, um, we really not see, uh, we need to see uh, business getting done. Um, what's interesting is that Andy Boyle had some comments in the media. He was doing media stuff in the run-up to the Cup game. Uh, and he was basically calling on the, the club hierarchy to, uh, to to get stuff done. I will note, by the way, there was a bit of cheeky media clickbaitness going on with some of the headlines because he said at one stage, talk is cheap. And some media outlets attached that to the contract situation. He was actually talking about the players and their performances. So it, was, it looked much more aggressive. The way it was reported, his comments looked much more, talk is cheap, we need to get these players' contracts done, okay? But the talk is cheap and the contract sentences were completely different parts of the conversation. Um, so it was just interesting how it looked, it, it was presented as being a much more, uh, I was quite, you know, oh, wow, he's kind of sticking his head above the parapet here and shots fired at the club hierarchy. It was much milder uh, in contrast. He was A lot of his talk was about the team and their performances. Um, but he did mention the contract situation, which was interesting because he's one of the handful of players, maybe only two players who might be contracted into next uh, year. But it was good to see him, such a senior player, with his contract sorted, even dropping this into a conversation. Good to see, you know, the players. Now, he, he, he again, then he was quite kind of, I suppose, supportive of the club hierarchy, saying, oh, things are probably getting done and stuff like this. But it was just interesting to see that. And the way the media picked up on it um, might apply a little bit of pressure because I think it's the first time I've really seen it come up in conversation this year uh, outside of ourselves and, and, and commentators uh, on the team um, that players are starting to talk about the contract situation um, because it is the other huge thing looming. Um, I mean, Andy Boyle talked about the end of an era coming up. Now, I'd say the end of an era has been ending for the last two years. But um, uh, really what we should be talking about is the start of a new era. And these players... Now, it was interesting thing because obviously Val Adedukin, who we really barely got to get to see, went off. And he, that might be the logic behind giving some of these players professional contracts so we don't lose them for nothing. Um, now, in one way, that's great that we're producing players of that calibre that you know Premier League sides want to see them. Um, it was great to see some of the lads last night and putting in you know pretty good... Uh, shifts uh, as fleeting as they were but then the other you know the, the players who we've talked about building a new team around patching Stanton these kind of things aside from thinking what are we going to do about getting in new players um, I, I think really we would like to start seeing some action on contracts because I'll be honest with you the longer this goes on and yeah we'll talk about Pat Hoban then you know 
who second highest scorer of all time now, talismanic figure, has nothing to prove, I think, to Dundalk. And the last contract to Backel, I think, was, it was a real stain on the club. Because hmm. I don't think Patrick Hoban had anything to prove to the club. I think the club should have been rolling out the red carpet for him for a contract. And it turned into this really, really messy saga, you know, with kind of off-field drama and everything. And there's no reason that should have been a drama. Now, we all know, sick in the teeth of talking about things like Gannon and Hoare and how they were treated. But if we were to allow Pat Hoban to go, uh, who is still doing it, and there is no reason not to reward him with a bumper contract. Um, and I just really fear, as, as the season goes on, that we will be um, resigned at the end to seeing players uh, announcing pre-contract deals. Yeah, like, I mean, we've already lost Patrick McElhenney without Dundalk putting a contract offer on the table. And if they did, they never said that they did. So you can presume that they didn't. Uh, we've lost Chris Shields without an offer from Dundalk being put at the table. We said at the time that the Linfield deal was mooted that the very minimal that Dundalk FC could do was offer a counter-proposal to keep him at the club and allow him to make up his own mind. But apparently we just took the money and let him go. Now, you know, you look at, say, Shamrock Rovers struggling in Europe, not being able to beat Flora Tallinn, and really throughout, you know, Bradley's tenure, I mean, he's never had a Gary Twig-like figure. Aaron Green is a hard-working, pacey centre-forward, but he doesn't get all that many goals. Rory Gaffney doesn't get all that many goals. So Shamrock Rovers, you know, they're looking like they're going to pick up their second league title and they're still missing that piece of the jigsaw. Now, either David McMillan or Patrick Coben would fill that that missing piece for them and make them even more unassailable than, you know, they have been. And and I think, you know, why, why are we messing around here is, is the question I'd have. Like you say, Patrick Coben has nothing to prove. Guy's 30 years old. He's now got all the experience he's delivering he's there isn't there isn't another player out there really that does what him and mcmillan do you could you could argue that there's one or two promising center forwards or you know georgie kelly guys like that but i mean for me you know i i just don't think we should be risking losing either of those players like it's if there is one thing that you could ask of Dundalk fans, you know, do you think Patrick Hoban is going to be a good goal scorer over the next two years? I think them and every other League of Ireland fan would say, yeah, you know, if there's anything certain in football and nothing is, but if there's if, if this is as probable as anything else, that Patrick Hoban will continue to be the player he is and he will continue to score goals. Why are we risking that not being at Oriel Park? I mean, you know, it, I, the, I suppose the bigger question is, has the has the owners of Dundalk FC learned from their catastrophic error of last season of just letting contracts drift beyond the end of the season, expire, and then have some sort of, you know, uh, blundering approach to, to signing players and, and seeing us lose many of our top stars? Like, basically, the question is, are we going to see a repeat of that, another apocalyptic transfer window where, you know, they... they the, the cream of the crop is, you know, just basically siphoned off by our competitors while we sit around doing nothing. And I, we, by we, I mean the, the current club owners and administrators. And I mean, you know, wh whatever about making that mistake last year, I mean, if they haven't learned from it, 
you know, it, it would be really dismal because despite all the damage done, we still have a core of players around which you can build a team. But until I know some other uh, fans and, and the Town Ed podcasts, uh, they called for clarity, some sort of statement from the club. The only statement I want to see is Patrick Hoban signs a new two-year contract. Will Patching is here for next season. You know, Cameron Dummigan is here for next season. That's what I want to see appear on our social media fields. Oh, and another thing. How about Vinny Perth is here for another season, you know? Uh, and when I see those coming up on our on the club's social media field, that, that's all the statement that I require. And I just, you know, would hate to think that the club did just seem to have a blind spot to what they were risking last year. And they gambled and we lost out in the transfer window as a result. And you can see the legacy of that in, in where we currently sit in the league table. My advice to them, if they would listen, would be simple. Let's not repeat that. Let's move and secure the players that are in the squad that are worth keeping in the view of the manager. Let's secure the manager and let him rebuild the team because he clearly can do it. So Benny told you know, the fans that he, he wants us to be patient because there's stuff going on behind the scenes and you know work is ongoing in this regard uh, and I think in the same sentence he said that you know maybe there's too much speculation from the likes of podcasts and stuff like that like I actually don't want to add to that like he's correct to, to a certain degree about that but you know uh, this this is just chatter right then so like the, the real work is actually ongoing behind the scenes but I suppose a criticism of that is right that until we actually see contracts signed and announced like there is no what would you say, facts to back up the idea that everything is going to be all right. And I think until then, like fans are perfectly right to be concerned, um, especially that we don't have the coach uh, in particular lined up for next season, because, you know, that is, uh, what would you say, uh, a key role in deciding who comes to the club and who stays at the club. You know, players want that certainty. Who am I going to be playing for? Who do I have to impress to get in the team? Uh, who is going to be making me into a better player? And that kind of thing. And I think that drives a lot of recruitment. And to have that still up in the air in particular, uh, I think is, uh, I think, pretty worrying at this stage because I don't think anybody's in any doubt that Vinny wants the job, right? Uh, he was pretty, you know, adamant that he wanted to come back to Dundalk and do a job this season in the midst of all the craziness going on. And I don't think there's any doubt that he wants to be there next season. Uh, so you'd have to ask yourself, what's the hold up? Yeah, definitely. And the... The, the other thing I would say is it's not like fans are being unreasonable here because we've just lived through a, 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 an interim period where we lost players. So it's not as if we're being unreasonable asking for players to contracts to be offered because we've lost some of our best players. We, we keep losing some of our best players. So just to kind of echo what Martin said there, the speculation and, you know, the, the call for patience, I think they've uh, almost lost the right for patience because we're constantly seeing players leave. I mean, I, I, was, I was just thinking about, about, uh, about the last transfer window. I mean, this season, like Shields and McElhaney, you know, it's, just, it's eroding in, before our eyes. So I think the time for patience and for lack of chatter is gone because we're seeing it live in front of us. So to see some kind of, as you said, statement from the club, and I think you're dead right, you don't want to see, you know, 
some kind of well-worded statement from the club saying we'll do better or you know this you know uh, we've joined a committee to join a committee to maybe have a committee to have a stadium you said you know re-signed you know those, those social media posts where you see a picture of pat hoban and pat hoban assigned a two-year deal or whatever that's what we want to see um and i would say yeah patience has run out because we're, we're in the thick of it you know and we're losing players not only to other clubs but to injuries and stuff and it's 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 really worrying so to see any kind of action from the club would be really appreciated well i think they, they would immediately banish all the doubt uh on all the fears that there was going to be a repeat of the last window if we saw an announcement that michael duffy has signed a contract patrick hoban has signed a contract we'd know that right okay this business is indeed being done and sensible decisions are being made and our best players are being secured until then fans will probably assume that what was the rule for the last two or three transfer windows is likely to be what we'll see in the next one and that will continue to be a concern for fans until we actually see the output of this work that's allegedly going on behind the scenes which is good players signing contracts to be here next year and possibly beyond on that note, I suppose it's all all eyes now turn to Waterford and the RSC, where hopefully, you know, Dundalk can take the good form that they just established on Friday and carry that in and get it. What will be a crucial win in easing some of those doubts about uh, relegation and moving us up the table in the right direction. Uh, until then, uh, doubtless we'll be back to chat about that game after the result on Friday. Uh, until then, I'd like to thank our contributors today, Martin Mullen and Rory Murphy. And thank you guys for listening and for your contributions via Twitter. And uh, we'll be back to talk to you after the game in Waterford. <laughs>